we are so lucky in our generation as women, especially that we have the chance and the opportunity to start a second act. Our mothers and definitely our grandmothers did not have that. You were one thing. You were a mom and that was it, or you were a wife and that was it, or you were a teacher and that was it. So to not take advantage of the fact that we have that opportunity to reinvent ourselves, to have these encore careers, as I've heard it put, is something that we should be very thankful for and not take for granted. And therefore, we kind of owe it to our moms and grandmas and great grandmas to go for it. Are you at a crossroads in your career? Ready for a change, but you're not sure how to get there? Don't worry. We are about to produce your best life together. Welcome to the Second Act Success Podcast. I am your host, Shannon Russell. I am a former television producer turned boy mom. I left my dream job to find family balance, and in doing so, I produced my dream life. Now I am a business owner, podcaster, and career coach. My mission is to help other women like you find what they are truly meant to be doing. If you are ready to start over in your career or pivot to a new purpose, then get ready to be inspired by stories of women who have done just that. We will share advice and actionable tips to motivate you as you move along on your path. It is time to shine, so let's start producing your balanced life of abundance today. This is Second Act Success. Welcome back to the Second Act Success Career Podcast. I'm your host, career coach, Shannon Russell. If you are a mom, I know that you can relate to pouring every ounce of your energy into your kids that sometimes it's hard to have any creativity left for yourself. Am I right? Well, my guest for this episode takes being a mompreneur to new heights. Her name is Rebecca Linney, and she had been struggling to get her son to sleep in his own bed. So what did she do? She wrote a book about it. Yep. Now this mom turned author shares her story of how she took a typical mom situation and made it her mission. Join me now for this super cool conversation with Rebecca Linney, author of The Growing Bed. Hi, Rebecca Linney. Welcome to Second Act Success. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you about your journey. Tell me about your journey kind of from college forth, I guess. So my original plan in college was I was going to be a journalism major. And I was going to be on the news and I was going to just watch out Barbara Walters. That was yep. my dream when I started college. And I, as you know, many people end up doing nothing what they thought they were going to be doing when they went into college. So that journalism major turned into a communication major, which is still very related. Right. So once I was done with college, I did what a lot of people I think did, especially with a communications major. Because it's so broad, you know, you, you could take that in so many different directions. So I worked some corporate jobs that I hated. I worked some sales jobs, which I hated even more and <laughs> landed myself an executive assistant role where I met my husband and that we got married. Then I started helping with that business. This We have a design agency, an automotive design agency. So my husband's a third generation automotive designer. Fast forward to me, us getting married and me helping out with that. And now he's retired and I run that business now. And it's nice because it's, we work for ourselves. So that's actually what I've been doing from a main bread and butter standpoint for, oh gosh, I want to say 18 years. 
and then just recently became an author, which I don't think my husband or I saw coming, but it happened. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about that. So you obviously had this other business that you're still running, but then what made you decide to start writing? So I've always had that love of writing, if you will, but it was never a career goal or a career path of mine. So again, I met my husband, we get married, we have a baby and I have a wonderful, wonderful baby boy, but he was a terrible sleeper. Terrible. He was great at a lot of other things. You know, it was never hard to get him to take medicine or to get his hair cut or anything like that, but he was a terrible sleeper. It actually didn't sleep through the night till he was four years old, which my mom says was revenge because I didn't sleep through the night till I was three. So, you know, <laughs> I guess you get what you deserve. So having had a bad sleeper and probably a sleep depraved state came up with this concept for the growing bed, which is the name of the book. And I didn't think anything of it, it worked for our family. It worked for some friends of mine in my little mom bubble and just didn't think much of it. And everyone over the years kept saying, oh, Rebecca, that's a good idea. You should do something with it. That's a good idea. You should do something with it. And I was like, well, what am am I going to do with it? And then I had a girlfriend that I knew through work events who started writing a book herself in a very different genre. But it was one of those, well, if she can do it, Why couldn't I? But not in a mean girl kind of like, oh, well, she can do it. I can do it. It was more like, wow, she's a real person I know in my everyday life. She's not some random or vague bestseller author. She's someone I actually know Mm -hmm. who was writing a book. And so I chatted with her about it and she introduced me to her publisher and kind of as cheesy as it sounds, the rest is history. It just kind of took off from there. So did you have anything written at the time that you met with her publisher or was it just a concept and an idea? Well, it, it depends who's asking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had the concept in my in the idea in my head, obviously. So I met with her publisher and publishers probably get pitched books oh, yeah. dozens and dozens a day, right? So this lady didn't know me from Adam and she just said, okay, great. Send me over a manuscript. And I'm like, mm. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll, yep. I'll get that right to you. No problem. She's like, oh, it doesn't have to be the full manuscript. Just send it over. I said, oh, thank God it doesn't have to be the full manuscript. Yeah, really? At that point, I hadn't had anything written down. Nothing, not a word. Yeah. So I spent a few days writing my quote unquote manuscript for a children's book. Then I sent it over and I would say within an hour or two, she called back and she said, Rebecca, I have seven grandchildren and I wish I had had this book when they were young. And I was like, does that mean you like my book? Are you, are you going to, are you going to accept it? And she's like, absolutely. And I said, okay, great, let's go. (laughs) But then I had to finish the book. I had to finish getting all this idea out of my head and onto paper. So that's actually when the real work began, which is no surprise. So Well, that is just incredible in itself that you just went to your first publisher with nothing written and got a book deal. How incredible. It is incredible. And I'm very fortunate. I think it was a bit of a perfect storm as well. Obviously, my introduction to this publisher was a warm introduction, right? So they were taking the word of someone that they already knew and liked and trusted. Mm -hmm. And that kind of already gave me a bit of a leg up. But they were also trying to increase their presence in the children's book market. So I'm not naive to the fact that 
had I done this five or six years later, they may have been inundated with children's authors. So I'm completely cognizant and accepting of the fact that it was a bit of a perfect storm situation. But yes, I did get lucky and get signed by the first publisher I talked to. Wow. So now you're an author. So what's the next step then? So now you have to take this rushed manuscript and turn it into what you want the book to really be. What was that process like? So again, I've gotten so lucky and I don't want anyone to feel discouraged about jumping into writing a book if they want. And we can talk about that in a little bit, but I got lucky in a lot of ways when it came to the timing of things. So I got signed by the publisher in February of 2020. And I think we all know what happened in March of 2020 when the world shut down. So I had a lot more time to complete the process. I had a lot more time to finish the final manuscript. I had a lot more time to solidify an illustrator and all of that because the publisher, like the rest of the world, was in this survival mode of what's going on, what's happening. So making me stick to these hard deadlines was like the last thing on their plate, right? They were much more forgiving. A four-week turnaround time was allowed to be a six-week turnaround time, things like that, which is good because once I found an illustrator, he had his own personal hiccups because, again, we were all in this weird, uncharted territory of having to work from home and we weren't used to that and you know, going back and forth with the publisher on edits and back and forth with the illustrator on edits to the illustration. It's not as easy to do when you're not in person, you know? So that process was a bit more forgiving than perhaps other authors' processes were. So that's an upside. But then the downside to that is, you know, I didn't get to do an in-person book tour. I've I've done a podcast book tour, if you will, which is good too. I mean, there's always a silver lining, right? I can do many more of these a day or a week because they are virtual and I can do it from the comfort of my own home, but there's not that face-to-face connection with the audience, especially when your audience is children. So Mm, That's true. I'm just thinking you're trying to write when you have all this time in the world, which is great. I'm sure you're still running your company at the same time and your Mm -hmm. son is home and you're trying to do school with him, I'm sure. So that's how were you able to write and do all of this while having a little one right next to you? Oh, well... Like I mentioned earlier, my husband's retired, so he was able to help out quite a bit. And then again, because we had been in business for ourselves for so long, we very easily use those same skills to realize that there is no nine to five. Running our own company, we didn't have other people waiting on us for stuff. I could work at 8 p.m. if I needed to. I could get up early and work at 5 a.m. while my son was still asleep if I needed to. Same with writing. I could do it late at night if I needed to or super early or when he was down the street playing with a friend. So we had the luxury of some flexibility during that time, which was very helpful. So tell me about the book. What is The Growing Bed? It is The Growing Bed. I know your audience can't see it, but I'll show it to you. It's this beautiful, colorful little book. I love it. And while it's a children's fiction book, it is 100% based on the true story of my son, who, again, did not sleep through the night till he was about four. But it addresses his pain point at that time was he was small for his age. He's still a little small for his age, but he's caught up quite a bit. But back when he was three, four, and five, he was very small for his age. And he couldn't understand as a little guy why friends his same age 
or younger were able to do things he couldn't do, like go on the water slides or the roller coasters or get a big boy booster seat, things like that. So at one sleep deprived stage in the morning, I'm sure I said to my son, I said, look, when you come into bed with mommy and daddy, we are done growing. So we are resting and relaxing and recharging in bed. So all these nights you get out of your bed and you come and want to come into mommy and daddy's bed, you're in the wrong bed. You need to stay in your bed and grow. And that's how you'll get on the water slides and on the roller coasters and things like that. And it was a light bulb moment for him. That was what finally clicked for him was like, okay, I'm not in my growing bed. I'm daddy's and mommy's bed's not the growing bed. And it was a huge game changer for us. A huge, huge one. And we still actually use the concept today. Like I said, he's almost nine. And when we go on vacation and we get a hotel room, you know, it's just the three of us. So we always get a room with just two beds. And the first thing he does when we walk into the hotel room is say, okay, this one's my growing bed. So it's a concept we've, we've still used. And yeah, it's what worked for our family. And I'm not a sleep expert by any means, but if it worked for our family, my guess is it'll work for some other families too. Absolutely. That's such a genius idea. It's something so simple that really can resonate with the kids because they do always want to get bigger. We want sure. them to stay small, but they want right, to grow. Right. Yeah. Hey, it's Shannon. If you are enjoying this podcast, then you will love my weekly newsletter. It's full of career advice, productivity tips, and of course, inspiring stories of women who have launched a new career that they love. Just go to secondactsuccess.co to sign up. Plus, you'll get the My Success Vision Board to help you with your 2023 planning as well. Now it's back to the episode. So in the book, are there sleeping tips for parents or is it more to convince the kids that they want to stay in their growing bed? I think it's more to convince the kids that they want to stay in the, in their growing bed. And it also shows that your growing bed's not at home. It's not just at home, rather. It's when you're on vacation. It's when you go to grandma's house. It's, it's anywhere you have a bed. And the book, without spoiling the surprise, shows you how to turn any bed into a growing bed so that you're always in the quote-unquote right bed. Oh, it's so lovely. What a great idea. When the book was ready, what was the process like of actually getting it printed and out and about into the world? Once it was printed, and it's funny because this publisher likes to print all children's books as a soft cover. And it just wasn't sitting well with me. I was like, this could be my only book. You never know. You know, when you flick through Barnes and Noble and stuff, all the books, all these timeless classics, they're hardcover books. I was like, I don't want a soft cover. I said, is this terrible? So I really had to fight to get the book to be a hardcover. And I'm glad I did because it looks so good. And I just feel like they're more sturdy. And again, if this is my only book, I wanted it to be as good as it could be. So they sent me one copy to look and touch and feel, make sure it was okay before they printed more. And I remember getting it and my son read it. And so I, I gave it to him and he reads the book, start to finish. And at the end, he goes, this book's about me, mom, isn't it? And I said, yeah, you're darn straight. It's about you. And I think he knew I was working on something that had to do with the growing bed. But I think having it in his hands as well made it much more tangible. But this, my publisher, Morgan James Publishing out of New York, they have been terrific. They took care of getting it online at all the online retailers like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Walmart and all those things. And then they leave up the getting it 
into stores physically up to us as authors. So they do half of that work and then we do the other half, which has been, I think, a good partnership. And what a learning experience for you to just kind of learn how to do this. So now the local bookstores near your home, so are you able to go in and make deals with them to bring the printed books there? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, in my son's school has it in their library, Um, which is to me so special because that'll be there forever probably. But yeah, then it's up to me to go into the local Barnes and Noble, for example, or my local Target and and say, here's the sales that you've seen from this book online. Let's get a few shelves, which if you remember from what I said earlier, I don't like sales jobs, but I guess it's easier selling something that is like your baby than, than what I was selling back in right after college. No, that's true. Oh my gosh. What like what a change, right? Like going from sales right out of college to selling your love, something that you put right, your whole right. heart into. Yeah. So what has the reception kind of been like for your friends and family? It's been very positive. My husband was so sweet and supportive. He threw a big launch party for me when the book was publicly launched. And then I've had a lot of support from friends. One, again, my son's library put it in in their library his old preschool has let me come and do a couple readings to the little kids there so that's always special i've got one girlfriend who's a realtor and she puts the book in the little gift basket she gives to all of her clients who have just recently bought a new home because what i've heard is that even the best sleepers regress sometimes maybe when a new sibling comes along or they move or they have a big change in their life you know I always joke that it's one of those books you hope you'll never need but most people will probably need it at some point so um, yeah it's, I've gotten a lot of support it, it's been terrific it's been a very humbling experience in the fact that I had no idea what I was doing and I just kind of jumped in with both feet and I'm thankful to my friend who again, did this before me and showed me that it's not that scary. And that again, if she could do it, then I should give it a try and it, and it worked out. And this is just a great story to give to your friends who have kids. There's just so much Mm -hmm. potential to gift this book and to really have it be in, in all families homes, you know, as something special for Mm -hmm. the kids. That's the plan, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so many of us want to write something in the way back of our head that we all think, oh, could I write that story? I have this story. What would you suggest if someone who's listening wants to write a book, but they're in a nine to five job? How can they go about starting it? So I had my idea for the book all in my head, right? Well, that's fine. You can't sell an idea in a book that's in your head. You have to write it down at some point. But because I was already working. I was a mom. I was a wife. I was a friend. I was all these things. My time was stretched thin. So what I got in a system that worked really well for me, I got a bunch of colored three by five cards. I've got a pink, blue, green, purple one. And anytime an idea for the book came to mind, I would categorize it into whatever I said these colored three by five cards were and write it down on that card. And then when I had an hour or something, I'd lay all the cards out and be able to see all the ideas and then be able to move them around sequentially for the order I wanted them for in the book. And it just made it a lot easier to organize my thoughts that way. Plus it was also a nice visual that kept me motivated because as I got more cards, I was like, Ooh, I'm adding some meat and potatoes to the book. And it was just a nice way to keep me visually motivated and also very organized. 
So that's the system that worked for me. Other people might have other systems. And I know I've got one friend who wrote a book in a very different genre, and she got one of those good old fashioned handheld tape recorders, oh, yeah. like the ones you see in the old crime movies where the guy's like, I came to the crime scene and this is what I saw, you know, just a nice small one that she could keep in her purse. And anytime she had an idea, she would record herself and put her thoughts, whatever had been coming to her down on the tape recorder. And then when she had time, she would just re-listen to it back and jot her notes down that way. So I don't think you have to stop what you're doing and then make, then write the book. You can find waves to just weave it into your day. If you're at the gas station and you've got three minutes while you're filling up, jot some notes down or record some notes for yourself. If you're waiting in line at the grocery store, waiting to check out, you can jot some stuff down or, or put it on a recorder. So lots of little ways to weave it into your day without having to do a full stop and switch gears kind of thing. Right. Because full stops for us moms is really hard to find that time for ourselves. Mm. Those are really easy to do processes that are so tangible that really after you mm-hmm. do it for a while, you're going to have all those ideas and be able to really put pen to paper and, and start writing. Definitely. I don't know about you, but if I sit down at a certain part of the day, I'm not getting back up. And if I am, I'm not happy about it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then also I think kids have that sixth sense where when you sit down, they're like, oh, mom's relaxed. Oh, let's go see what trouble I can get into. Or let's see if she can make me a snack or something. It's like they can sense that you've sat down for five minutes. (laughs) If you don't let them know that you're sitting down, but still being productive, then you've got a better shot at keeping that ball rolling. I love that. So smart. Do you have another idea for another book? So it's funny you ask that. I get asked that quite a bit. And they say, well, how's what, what's your next book? So I always like to say, I am really enjoying this baby. She's in her infancy stage. I'm going to let her start crawling and walking and things like that. If I had to write another book, for whatever reason, I do have a couple other ideas floating around in my head that I could write, but I'm really enjoying just being able to kind of nurture and love on this one right now. That's a good plan. (laughs) All right, it's time for our five fast cues of the week. Here we go. Name one thing that these different chapters in your life have taught you. Oh, I think they have taught me to trust my gut, to trust the fact that I can only fail so much and that failing is the worst that happens. It's fine. I still have my health. I still have my husband. I still have my son, my family and friends. And to just kind of take the risk because not taking the risk, I would regret way more. Would you recommend taking a leap into a big life change to your best friend? Absolutely. Because I know if she's my best friend... I'll be here to help her and support her through it. (laughs) What is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's trying to start their second act? That's a good one. We are so lucky in our generation as women, especially that we have the chance and the opportunity to start a second act. Our mothers and definitely our grandmothers did not have that. You were one thing. You were a mom and that was it, or you were a wife and that was it, or you were a teacher and that was it. So to not take advantage of the fact that we have that opportunity to reinvent ourselves, to have these encore careers, as I've heard it put, is something that we should be very thankful for and not take for granted. And therefore, we kind of owe it to our moms and grandmas and great grandmas to go for it. Rebecca, nobody has said that on the podcast so far, and I love that answer. It's so very true. It is almost like a privilege for us to 
be able to do all the things that we want and kind of live out our dreams. I love that. What does the next chapter look like for you? Gosh, I feel like I'm always juggling. We're seeing those juggling acts where they've got four or five balls and then they throw one ball out and then a different color ball comes in and things like that. So I think I will continue to have a lot of irons in the fire. I think obviously the author one is the latest ball to enter my juggling Mm -hmm. act. And so I'm not sure, but I do know there will be a new ball soon because that's just kind of how I roll. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to start getting into more public speaking and maybe mentoring. So that is a, a new ball that I could start juggling. So yeah, I'm not quite sure, but I'm not afraid of it whatever it is. Who would you be mentoring? I think I'd like to mentor kids on their way out of college that aren't sure what they want to do, but know that they want to go somewhat in a certain field. And I've had my hands in so many fires. I think I can talk about a lot of different Mm -hmm. things. So I think I would just like to instill that confidence in current or recent graduates in the fact that you've got so long to work and live and, and you don't need to feel like you need to know what you're doing by the time you're 22. Thank goodness I'm not doing what I was doing when I was 22. <laughs> or who knows where I would be or wouldn't be. Society in general puts so much pressure on these kids to, you need to know what you want to do. You've got to pick your major. You're picking your major when you're 17, 18, 19 years old, it's crazy. We've changed so much after that age. So I think that's something I'd like to, to work on and people I'd like to work with down the road. You'd be fantastic at that. I really could see it. So where can our audience connect with you? I am most often on Instagram. I'm at the growing bed. And then you can buy the book almost anywhere you can find books. But if you'd like me to sign it and personalize it to your little guy or little gal, it would be thegrowingbed.com. Rebecca, thank you for sharing this wonderful book and your story and your journey. And I'm happy that your son is sleeping through the night now. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Best of luck with the book. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes for everyone with all of your information and get the word out. And I'll be following you on social. And I I wish you all the luck. Splendid. Thank you so much, Shannon. Have a good day. It was so nice chatting with you. Chatting with you too. Okay. Rebecca took something that she was dealing with at home that a lot of us deal with with our children, and she created a book. This book was not only meant to help her son in her situation, but it was meant to help other children and other parents who are going through similar situations. That is what I call turning something that you know into something that you love. Be sure to check out The Growing Bed by Rebecca Linney to support this mompreneur as she builds a new career during her second act. I will link to the book and how you can connect with Rebecca in the show notes for this episode. To catch up on any episodes you may have missed of the show, be sure to subscribe to the Second Act Success Career Podcast anywhere you enjoy listening, or just head over to secondactsuccess.co forward slash podcast. All right, that's it for now. Make it a great day, my friend, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found some gems of inspiration and some takeaways to help you on your path to Second Act Success. To view show notes from this episode, visit secondactsuccess.co. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Reviews only take a few moments and they really do mean so much. Thank you again for listening. I'm Shannon Russell and this is Second Act Success.